0: instant glam visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25 percent off impress manicure and press on falsies
1: the late lunch with blackstone motors order your Renault 191 today and avail of low apr finance cashback and three-year servicing visit blackstone motors today or see blackstone motors.ie
2: You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Before we get going, I have to tell you, I was in the Borgash Theatre last night for Le Miserable. It's the fifth time I've seen it, second in Ireland. I saw it many years ago when Colin Wilkinson was in the lead role. Uh, Our own Killian Donnelly, Valjean, last night. I saw him in the role in London and I saw him on Home Turf last night in Borgash. And I just want to say, Killian. You are a star. Oh, what a performance last night. What a show. It's the best, honestly, the best you'll ever go to see. So if you're getting to see it before it finishes on Saturday, good luck to you. It was sold out for the whole run, but last night was extra special to see Killian up there. And he got a seven-minute, they got a seven-minute standing ovation at the end of the show. Marvellous, marvellous, marvellous. And thank you, Killian, uh, again, for such a wonderful night last night. He's a true friend of, of the show's and mine now at this stage. And I say thanks to his dad, had who contacted us all those years ago to introduce Killian to us. Well done again to all concerned. Now, shortly after she was diagnosed with breast cancer last April, author Nicola Pierce joined me to talk about something she never expected to have to deal with, and she looked ahead uh, to how she was going to approach uh, the weeks and months that were in front of her. Well, could anyone receive a better Christmas present this year with all she's been through to be told? She was told. That she's cancer-free and I'm delighted to say she's back with me looking a million dollars on late Thanks lunch today much, Nicola Jerry. how yeah. are you
3: I'm doing great and thank you so much. It's a long time since I've done something like this. Um, no, I'm doing brilliant. I, I'm just, I suppose I'm, I've got fatigue, but to be given that news just before Christmas and to finish, um, I completed my last radiation on the 19th of December and it just felt absolutely fantastic walking away from the hospital. And I was back there yesterday but just to see how I was doing. Um, I absolutely appreciate all these visits that I have to make uh, that have been checked up on. Um, so So it's been one hell of a year. A really, really interesting year, I have to say. (laughs) Well, take
2: us back because um, April was when you got the official diagnosis. When did you feel the lump in the breast first?
3: It was thanks to my sister's birthday present to me um, the previous July I was doing lots of events in and around schools. and I was saying yes to more and more events. So I was on buses and trains, travelling all over Ireland. And I was carrying a lot of stuff because when I do, when I talk about my books, I'll bring my laptop. Um, I'll bring different pictures. Um, I just started to bring, you know, bags with bags in them. I bring my my little um, speaker phone, And uh, I was starting to struggle with the weight. So my sister bought me a rucksack for my birthday that I wasn't too excited about. She surprised me with it. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK, thank you. And I started to use it. So the rucksack had wheels on it. So I put my laptop in it um, and then I um, the laptop was a little bit too big for it. So basically when I would get up in the morning and I was running to the train station, the rucksack just kept falling off the wheel. So I was having to use my right arm to ride it up and continue on running, running, always, always running with too much stuff in it. Uh, and then I went to Greenwich over in Greenwich researching for the new children's novel and I was in I was aware of pain in this arm and I really just thought I must have pulled a muscle because I'm using it to write up this this uh, rucksack put it back on its wheels Um, and um, it was a bit of a an awful scare to be honest with you this when I was over in Greenwich in the shower and I realised I had a massive lump in my armpit. So uh, I went through the weekend just put it out of my mind I haven't been to a doctor. The only reason I ever go to doctors was to get my ears syringed once a decade. I just stayed away from them. I've never had children because I never wanted to get involved with doctors and hospitals An awful fear. And I rem- I hadn't even I had to kind of find myself a doctor. I wasn't even um, part of anybody's surgery. I'm living in Drada 10 years. I hadn't been to a doctor. So I remember going down to the doctor, absolutely terrified, totally totally obsessed with having cancer, but not believing I had cancer. Um, and I said to her, I think I've pulled a muscle in my arm. God love her. She sat me down and just said, how are you? And I burst into tears. So she put her finger in my armpit and and said, yeah, oh yeah, you're right. You've pulled a muscle. I mean, it was a massive lump. And she said, stop your ground, relax, relax. And then she went, oh, I just feel something smaller in behind the big lump. And that was the cancer. So nobody thought I'd cancer either. I go down to Beaumont and I was told that day I didn't have cancer, uh, but they needed to do a biopsy on the lump just to see what sort of an infection I had. And it was as much a shock to them as to me to discover the armpit was full of cancer.
2: So did they tell you there and then, or did you go away and have to come back? Was there a worrying period? Like the
3: mammogram was clear. I go down to Beaumont on your very first day. They give you a mammogram that was clear, Mm. Um, and I went and you know and they take great care and take time. So there was nothing that could be seen in the breast. It was clear. Um, So they just thought that's what they were looking for was something in the breast because there was a lump in the armpit. Um, But it turned out then the tumor in the breast was so tiny it did take about three or four biopsies before it was located. But this was. Would have been a couple of months after that first uh, mammogram. Okay,
2: so you were still considering in that time that I'm I'm okay. There's nothing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Did they call you.
2: What happened to tell you?
3: So um, they wanted to do a biopsy there and then. I hadn't been in a hospital in, uh, like this ever, and uh, I just. Begged her to let me go home. So, this was just before Christmas. So, she said, Okay, I'll let you go. Uh, we'll come back in six weeks and let me do a biopsy to see what the infection is. And I was like, Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, and fled. And um, six weeks later, did the biopsy. And then, you know, it was a Friday. I was sitting down to write. Um, and I thought, All I have to do today is, is that I'm going to hit my 2,000 words of writing. And the phone rang. And I was alone in the house. And um, they were on the phone uh, Can you come down? And I said, No, I'm too busy. And there was a whispered, uh, the nurse, there was a whispered conversation and a second voice got on the phone and went, we just needed to do more tests. Will you come down and let us do more tests?' so I think I knew I knew nobody could come with me that day Niall um, my fiancé was uh, at the busiest time ever for him my sister who would normally drive me she was sick with the flu um, and just nobody was around so I had to get on the bus the 101 go down get a taxi out to Beaumont and um, sit there and wait for my name to be called and you're brought in and the doctor looks up and goes have you not got somebody with you and then I knew you
2: know I <laughs> didn't have to tell you at that stage no, no what did they tell you what did they say to you did they tell you exactly had they a plan for you
3: Uh, not immediately what happens is they they know there's cancer in the armpit now the thing is to find where the, the root is so that that took a few weeks um, and I think I pretty much was in shock for all of that. And I think I was probably in denial too. So they're more worried than I am because I still think I probably kind of sailed to those first couple of months, not really understanding what was going on. And I think the shock kind of cushions you and protects you. I remember I would be walking down to the shops and I felt like I was wrapped in a blanket. And nobody could touch me, everything, the world was just soft around me, I couldn't really hear things, was kind of, was on mute. And that, I think, is um very natural reaction. And it kind of helps, it does help to cushion, I think, the blow kind of carries you along for a few weeks. Until uh, while well, meanwhile they're busy biopsying and trying to find out where it is. They got really worried because it was a few biopsies. They still hadn't found where the source was, and I didn't realise this was a big deal. Um, but I absolutely implicitly trusted um, everyone I met—Bowman, Lords. Um, you know, I couldn't. I hear all these bad stories about the health system. My God, I just have nothing but. Just, they were just fantastic.
2: Yeah. So they do locate it. Have you surgery? Have you d- surgery? I had stage? two
3: operations. Yeah. I, um, so the first operation didn't work. They want when they take out the tumour, they want to see a healthy ring, um, and that just wasn't the case. So I started uh, chemo, knowing that I'd have to go back in and have a second operation on the breast. Now I have to say I didn't lose my breast, and I'm the only person that I know. Of all these women that have gotten to know through the Gary Kelly Centre. Um, I'm the only one that I know I haven't, didn't lose my breast. It's just a lot smaller than the other one, but that's grand. Yes,
4: <laughs> and
2: I'm sure that is a significant thing for anybody yeah. or any woman. And I know that's where in the future they're working towards if they can at all yes. to minimise, you know, uh, what they have to do in terms of removal. Um, but you did lose your lovely hair. yes. <laughs> Did that happen shortly after the chemo began?
3: Happens uh, far quicker than I expected to. Yes, I think I had... um, So, basically, my chemo was... Um, two months of intense um, chemo. So that's called AC and then you go down onto three months of Taxol and Taxol is lighter. Taxol is once a week. The AC is once every two weeks because this is a heavy chemo. And basically I think coming up to the second round of the AC, I, again it was a, everything ha- happened on a Friday. When I think of last year 2018, everything happened on a Friday. Friday morning, stepped into the shower knowing that it was imminent, <laughs> knowing I was going to lose my hair, but I cannot describe to you the shock and you're shampooing and you take your hand down and your hair, your hands are covered in hair, and it's just falling out, long lengths of hair just falling to the ground. Um, poor Niall walked in, pretty much came back from work. Uh, I think he was even shocked. I just walked down the stairs in a daze. He had to go up and sort it. I couldn't clean it or I couldn't do anything. Couldn't look at the shower. Um, but then you know it's you're just going with it. You have to. You've got to embrace it. There's no other way around it. I think possibly I even struggled more losing my eyebrows. Uh, than the hair. The hair is easily covered. The eyebrows, a bit difficult. Um, and the eyebrows didn't happen for ages now. It was kind of really more than halfway through the chemo before the eyebrows, the eyelashes, the hairs in your nose go. So then you're constantly getting nosebleeds. Every time you go to leave the house, you look at your, you kind of look at the mirror, I'm grand. You, st- you go to walk away, you look again, oh, there's a nosebleed. Um, and it's all this little stuff that you wouldn't um, be expecting. So all these little surprises keep popping along the way.
2: You see, you're synonymous with your hair and the colour yeah. of your hair and have been for years. That's why I ask you about that. Yes. But let me tell listeners today, and you will see the pictures after the show on, uh, in, in a little while when we post them on social media. You look beautiful. You have the most beautiful grey hair and it's so Gorgeous. And may I say it suits you beautifully. Thank you very much. <laughs> it really does. It really does. You know, you talk about upsides of things. Yes. But I think you have a total new look as well. That's really fantastic. Thank you very now, much. No, this year, we needn't put any colour on it. You mentioned the, the heavy chemo moving yeah. to the lighter. You had radiation as well. I did, well. a
3: lot of radiation.
2: This couldn't have been easy.
3: I can't honestly say that it... Um I mean, I know I should say, yes, it was horrible. It wasn't. I look back last year and I'm going to get emotional. But I discovered that um, how caring that people can be. I mean, with the doctors, the nurses, I did my chemo in the Lourdes. Now, Beaumont were kind of looking after me and I asked could they do my chemo in the Lourdes so I could walk to the ward um, and get my chemo. And that was that little bit of independence because elsewhere I was having to be driven here and there I don't drive uh, and I you know I was so well looked after I got to know all the nurses in the lords. I got to know the other patients in Bowman the same the doctors their nurses were just wonderful and then I couldn't understand why I had this need to start writing about what I was going through on Facebook. I'd never put anything personal on it before. Um, normally, Facebook and Twitter was for talking about the books, and I just had this urge to share what I was going through. And it was that first thing of just sitting down and writing. It has been twenty four hours. I, I was told I have breast cancer, and I couldn't. Couldn't believe I was absolutely flummoxed and still flummoxed to this day by the response that I got. The amount of cards, the amount of presents, um, people. It just, I mean, if I read about maybe a friend or somebody you didn't know particularly well on Facebook, I might just, you know, tick like or heart or thinking of you. I, people did stuff for me, they contacted me, they sent me. Messages, they sent me mask cards, they lit candles for me, they took photographs of candles being lit when they went away on their holidays. The outpouring of support, and I would be ridiculously independent and think I don't need people. Yes, I do. And the highlight of that, Jay, was just saying that the book, my book Titanic, came out. And the launch was in the midst of all this chaos before starting chemo. And, you know, over 100 people turned up to Waterstones in Scotch Hall to support me because of they knew what I'd, I'd gone through. Um, and last year was just such a, a healthy healing year for me in terms of um, there was so much good happened to me and I think I'm filled with a, a newfound appreciation for the people in my life um, people just around me and I hope I would be a more caring person that I've learned uh, how to respond to somebody going through something like this
2: You've got me, I can tell you that <laughs> Never mind yourself listening to what you've just said there because It all comes down to people, doesn't it, at the end of the day? And the love and the friendship in our lives. Is there anything
3: else? Yeah absolutely the most important thing and I want to throw out words for the Gary Kelly Centre um, they're just uh, absolutely fantastic centre fantastic people fantastic courses the draw the hospice if there's anyone out there that has cancer treatment do you need to do in Dublin the draw the hospice are there volunteer drivers who will drive you down wait for you and drive you home again Th- those two things absolutely saved my life aside from family and friends Niall my fiancé I never mentioned him I never think to mention him
2: <laughs> Oh you've mentioned him a few times you might be conscious of <laughs> with there but I've heard him mentioned on several times and I know he's been such a big part of of this journey for you as well isn't she just the most fantastic woman you could ever meet in your life and I really mean those words Nicola Pierce is with me on late launch at Christmas she was told she's cancer free she's been through some journey we're getting lots of messages of good wishes for you Nicola I'll just uh, grab one of them here before we move on it says "Jerry, I'm in tears listening to your guest what an amazing lady what a remarkable story well done, and I wish you all the very best oh, for the future. Lovely. Thank you so much for that lovely message. 086-1800-658, if you want to comment and get in touch with us on the show. You're over the hump, as they say. Yes. But... There will be close care for you yeah. going forward. Are you on medication?
3: I am. I had to um, was pri- to, uh, prescribed a uh, tamoxifen to take, um, which I struggled a bit. I filled the prescription and then carried it around in my bag, um, and thank goodness again, it was just I the Gary Kelly Centre. I was there one day and aging as the director and she's just brilliant. I'd gotten counselling from her and I just said, I'm really struggling with this. Um, the thing was, I hadn't taken chemicals or hadn't, you know, since chemo and I just felt, you know, I've gotten really healthy. I've tra- transformed my diet. I'm drinking two litres of water a day and the idea of taking a tablet every day for the next five years, which, you know, has a 40% success rate of keeping, keeping the cancer away um, and I was afraid, you know, silly stuff, I guess, putting on weight, my skin breaking out, and getting married at the end of May, uh, which is my gigantic big carousel to keep going. Fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah and um, but you know it's you kind of focus on the bad things you have to be told you know there is um, possible um, side effects but thanks be to goodness again I'm lucky I've taken I'm at about six weeks now taking it and I haven't experienced any any of those side effects so I'm I'm delighted and I'm very lucky to be able to Mm. take it some other cancers do don't allow them to have a tablet Yes
2: very important to send that message as well out that uh, you know that you were struggling a little bit maybe and with assistance now you have it in your daily routine and that that is fantastic. Now, look, you're drinking water here. I noticed yeah. that, and you were outside when we were there. You mentioned the, the taking of water. I'll say it again you look marvellous. You have yeah. a wonderful colour in your cheeks. Yeah. You look so healthy. What have you changed? Just I'm interested uh, on the dietary.
3: Well, I have to be honest um, I loved alcohol. I loved going out two, three nights a week and that has all stopped. Um, And I'm eating mostly now fish diet but I discovered that I love stuff like almond milk, um, seeds in my porridge. I eat a lot of seeds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, um, nuts, um, natural yogurt, uh, you know, fruit. I eat a lot of fruit and steamed vegetables. I have a mountain of steamed vegetables with fish every night I eat three times um, a day I never lost my appetite I never lost my taste for anything you know I kind of was hoping I wouldn't like chocolate so much I'm still having my one treat a day um, and New Year's Eve now we had champagne and um, just two small glasses now normally I would have had a bottle by myself and then moved on to something else I'll be honest um, I, I was a big drinker um, so I had to let that part of me go um, and I do feel incredibly held on My skin is now. I mean, I'm I'm 50 now in July. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I think I look younger now than I. I want to check but your birth,
2: Sarah. I don't think those <laughs> figures are right at all. You're pulling me leg. Nickel appears at this stage, but seriously, like, come back to that. You love to drink. You enjoy oh, a yeah. drink, yeah. and, and, and regularly. And
3: it's now not on your spectrum at all. Do you miss it? Didn't for ages. Then, you know, New Year's Eve, oh, I wanted to go mad. I mean, OK, we had two small, I had two small glasses of champagne. Niall and I, every New Year's Eve, we go to the Vine restaurant. That's what we do. That's mm. what we've done for the past six years. And, um, you know, there's a part, part of me looking around, looking at people, kind of knocking back and getting merry. Uh, Yeah, there's a part of me that wants to go mad, be the old me, Uh, but I have an awful fear of a hangover, feeling ill. And it's very hard for me now, you know, alcohol is sugar, it's bad for you. It's very hard for me to kind of, you know forget that you know I've had cancer so that's kind of taken away the curtain you know you know I never thought I'd get cancer I did um it's not a spiritual experience it's a very physical experience so it kind of just shifts shift stuff in your brain um, so it's very hard for me to now um to think and I'll just have a few pints I won't I know I won't um I'm not saying there's not a bit of sadness now attached to that. Yes, I hear what you're
2: saying and I understand the way you rationalised that for yourself. You mentioned spirituality. Yeah. When you get this diagnosis, and I'm sure there were low days, there were low days when you were going through the treatment and, and all aspects of it. Did you think about your mortality, or?
3: Oh yes. Do do Mm. you
2: lean on spirituality at all, or is that part of
3: of you? Well, part of the shock when they were trying to locate where that source of the cancer was, uh, I you know, those days I was planning my funeral. I, I think that also is the natural reaction. I was just going for a big drama, big funeral at the end. I remember one day, I mean, I am very spiritual. I absolutely believe I'm looked after. have a crowd around me. I'm totally into angels. Um, and I remember in Beaumont Hospital one day, now and I were trying to find a department I had to get an MRI. I wasn't even entirely sure what an MRI was. I was absolutely terrified. Um, and walking along was a really busy, wide corridor. It's like Grafton Street on New Year's Eve. And I'm walking down and two male nurses passed me and I just out of this crowd and load of voices, one of them said to the other, uh, it was on the Titanic, there was a little boy and I just stopped. Niall kept going and thought I was with him and turned around and I'm just staring off at these two fowls. and I just felt, yeah, I can do this. And you know, and it's just little stuff like that. My friend was on the phone to my friend in February or March, in March and I was telling her how nervous I was, how scared unsure of this and that. She put down the phone to me and then there was a knock at the door with our postman with a Christmas card in March with an angel on it. And she rang me and said, I think you're going to be grand. You oh, know so. Those signs, those yes, little things absolutely. that gave you the
2: encouragement. Absolutely. Now you are a
3: wonderful writer and you
2: have mm-hmm. such a repertoire of great books that you've written. Uh, you mentioned you were in the middle of yeah. like launching another one when this all engulfed you where are you now? Are you ready to, to go again? How do you feel about that?
3: Yeah, t- I'm feeling a little bit unsure of myself since Christmas. You know, since you get the all clear and the last treatment of radiation, you ca- there's a party going right back, back to the world. I'm not. <laughs> you know, yesterday, it a long day, I had to get to Bowman. There was no one around to give me a lift, so I had a seven-hour journey doing it on the bus. And then this morning, I just sat and watched 20 episodes of Say Yes to the Dress, so that I would have the energy to come in here and talk to you. So it is about managing. There is a book I Fifty-five thousand words into it, Um, I kind of feel over the next few weeks. You know, there's an awful lot of guilt in my head. You should be doing this. You should be doing it, Um, but I can't fight the fatigue either. I kind of have to go with it. Absolutely, yes. That's what I'm going to. Okay, listen, listen, steady, steady on. You know, (laughs) one step at a time.
2: Here, am I I trying to rush you ahead? You have a wedding to plan as well. What a year you had! It have ahead of you, and it just shows you. Look at the inspiration you are. I'm sure to many others listening today with your story and looking so well and with us here this afternoon. one one last thing, I love your new clock.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I uh, I just love anything to do with books, so I I went on. I kind of searched the shops. I couldn't see anything, so I did Google. I looked for a wall clock with books on it. Um, and that if anyone wants to go onto my Twitter account or Facebook, I've put it up. Put it up actually on my bookshelves, so you can kind of. It's hard to see it, but yeah. yeah. And check it out because it foxed me because I couldn't <laughs> figure out because you have it in front of you
2: know, yes. your house is all books. Yeah, it's in there and I said, is this a see-through clock that the books are behind there, <laughs> or is the books in the clock? So I just wanted to clarify that today. Thanks for telling us. You're inspirational. You're wonderful. I'm delighted you got such great news. Have a great thank 2019. You, Looking forward to your wedding, and we'll meet again through the year, I'm sure. But for the moment, Nicola Pierce, well done. Oh, thank you. So lovely much. to see you again. Thanks today. for having me. Thank
3: you.
1: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault One Nine One today and avail of low APR finance, cashback, and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see BlackstoneMotors.ie.
2: Not long to go now, and you've met two of them over the last couple of days. Yes, Anne Mead and Donal Waters are participating in Lose Weight and Feel Great 2019 in association with Integral Fitness and Leisure. Everybody raring to go. I was talking uh, to the girls from Integral uh, this morning. They were in doing their advertising, etc., and they are really up for this this year. So who... May you ask, or will you ask? You won't ask much longer. Is the third participant this year? Well, you know her very well because she's been a friend of late lunch for many moons. She was at our birthday party on Monday last. She's been in here giving lots of advice to mums for years. Uh, what to do with their children on holidays at Christmas time, where to go, how to dress them, communions, confirmations, you name it. Are you getting, are you getting warmer? Do you know who I'm getting to? She's also been part of a woman with opinion panels. and She's never short of an opinion, is she? Yes, third in this year is Siobhan O'Neill-White from Mams.ie. Hello.
5: I'm short of opinions right now. (laughs) I have one opinion. What did I get myself in for here now? What have I done to myself?
2: (laughs) Well, look, we are thrilled to have you with us this year. I'm delighted.
5: I actually am We really are, because you
2: you, you are a representative of a huge segment of the listenership to this radio station Mm -hmm. and this show as well. Well, look, tell them a little more today about yourself. Siobhan O'Neill-White is a mammy. How many children have you? I have four. And you have teenagers now at this stage, have you?
5: no. Let's not start off on a bad footing today. Let's not talk about them. Can we talk about the two little ones that will still love me and hug me and they still love me? The two teenagers, not so much. Um, Although, actually, my husband got me a Fitbit for Christmas and my teenage daughter set it up for me. And she was very complimentary with the weight she put in for me. So she's not all that. She was a good stone and a half under. So thanks very much for that.
2: What happens with them? Just as an aside for a moment. You know it's it as it? if a switch, switch. goes at yeah, an age, isn't devil, it? The and
5: devil. <laughs> literally, Satan is, really? is in my house. Terrible. Like literally they can flick on a switch. They can just be, I mean, one of them is after, the two of them are after taking a stretch and I bought one, the, the my daughter new school skirts there last week. And they, I ordered them online and they arrived and in they came, tried them on and down, they're too short! flung at me and up to the bedroom and slammed the door. I'm actually, do tr- you know what? I'm not joking. I am actually trying to find a company in Ireland that makes doors for your house that can't be slammed. I'm actually not joking and I haven't been able to find one. I want to have non-slammable doors.
2: <laughs> Slow closed doors yeah. no matter what force is used yeah. behind them. You get I
5: it in cabinets it. but not doors. Oh, I'm okay. telling you, okay. there's, a, well, there's a market there.
2: Well, there's, there's something for somebody yeah. out in late lunch land to yes. consider this afternoon. So you have two in the teens and yeah. two younger ones as well. So yes. you're a, busy mommy of school and all that yeah, goes yeah. with that as well. Um about you and through life and mm. exercise. Tell us your history. What well, mm. have you have you when you were growing grown up were you involved in sports yourself? What did you walk
5: well, when I was younger, um, I, I'm a girl, obviously. So when I was a teenager, girls in sports, weren't we weren't really encouraged and supported. That's okay. the truth. Now, I loved football mm. and I played it, but we were never really encouraged. Mm. In school, I played basketball and I'm only 5'3". And so I was told, you're not going to be any good at basketball. So that put a fire under me and I went on to be the captain of the team talk about encouraging
2: the people yeah. and building confidence so we
5: weren't and then of course I went on to the debate team I think that started me being an argumentative sod back then but I, I really feel like girls in a sporting way we were never really Properly, encouraged. right. So your
2: generation yeah. lost out
5: completely. My children are all in Gaelic, different. and they, it's a completely different. Okay. everything's different.
2: Okay, so you you yeah. wouldn't exactly have been involved in a lot of sport or things yeah. like that. Now, when you had your you had four children,
5: well, um, even before I had the kids, and when I was before I was getting married and everything, I always was. I always would do something. Okay, so whether it was going to a spin class or a Zumba class or a salsa class or going for a walk, I always exercise has always been a part of my life. And I think it's not just for your body, it's extremely important for your head. And I speak to so many women, obviously speak with mummies all the time at our coffee mornings um and through mams.ie and exercise is so important for your mental health. So I would say I have no ambition to be a size eight. Okay. Right? I have four children. I have a belly that's never gone away after having the four of them. But I would like to reduce it. Um, And I think it's okay to have a belly and a bum and thighs and boobs and to be a woman. I, I, I embrace that. And I'm curvy. And I have no problem with that. So, and I actually think that women particularly, we beat ourselves up a lot about our weight. However... I was in a little car accident uh, last year in September. As you know, I was actually on air that day and I got a right old whack to the side of the head and my neck was was, I was really sore and I couldn't even walk up and down the beach because the cold was so sore on my neck. So I haven't been able to exercise much since September. Okay. And I'm better now and I'm raring to go.
2: All right. That's great. Yeah. So look at But you, I've
5: missed it. I really, really well, missed it. Well, that is even
2: better from yeah. our perspective that as and from next week, you're away for the next six weeks and yeah. this is going to get you up and going again yeah, yeah. For, at the start of the year. Mm. So you have, obviously, Siobhan, I've asked the others and me and Donald mm. Waters about this. They have a sort of a focus in the minds of, they didn't say they didn't mm. put numbers or figures or anything like that in okay. here. but they have a focus like yourself yeah. that you'd like to tighten up a little bit
5: yes? yeah and feel a little And do you know what it is I actually it, it's st- of course yeah look I have a lovely dress it's a bit snug it would be nice if it wasn't as snug and there's always a pair of jeans I mean there's always a pair of jeans in the wardrobe that just won't quite zip up so it would be nice to get them to zip up
2: do you know what I'm suggesting yeah. to you do, do this privately yourself but do this for me mm. get that snuggy dress on
5: Oh, I've already done it. And
2: those jeans. Oh, I took a picture of the weekend. You, oh, I've done she's it. She's ahead of oh, us. This see? one's oh, she's two steps ahead. And of you know us what?
5: I took you know the dress is gorgeous, and I took a picture in it, and and I and I am a curvy woman, and I don't I, that's fine, you know. Mm. I like my bum and my boobs and all that, but yeah, I would like to feel a little bit better because I've had been a, a, a rough couple of months. I had a lot of pain and discomfort. It wasn't sleeping great, but I know. Not exercising contributed to my bad sleep. And okay. I know if I was cranky, not getting out for a run or being able to lift weights or whatever, I know that contributed to my mood. So, of course, I want to look a little bit better and have a bit more energy. But it's so important for your brain. So mm. any mammies that are listening in that think they don't have time. This is the thing I hear a lot. I don't have time to exercise. Exercise with your children.
4: Mm.
5: Go to the beach with your children. Go for swimming lessons with your children. Go for swimming your children. There's so many things that you can do. And, and obviously follow us. I mean, we're going to, God knows what we're going to get up to. <laughs> yeah. We are going to be and, doing.
2: And that's the thing. We yeah. want you to follow us. And we'll be telling you yes. all about that early next week, how you can. And all the guys will be online as well, yeah, yeah. telling you how they're getting on. So look, there's two aspects to this. There's the exercise aspect and the guys in Integral. I say it again, mm. fitness and leisure are absolutely brilliant. You're going to have your own personal trainer for the Woo-hoo. six weeks who will be looking after you. Yeah, And of course, there's the exercise element of that and the gymnasium. And yeah. people walk as well when, when they're doing this. Uh, it's good to time. walk
5: on your days yes, off, absolutely. to loosen up. Because if you're a little bit sore the next day, just get off your bum for like <laughs> half an hour and go for a walk. You feel better as well, you know. God
2: almighty, I'll tell you, you are a model participant. I'm the more actually, I, hear no, I am
5: looking forward to it, I, know I you really are. Are. And, and
2: we hear it. And the other thing, this is the other thing I want to come to. What about the food aspect and, and how you eat?
5: That's where I'm going to struggle. I can tell you straight away that's where I'm bad and I know because I'm so busy I'm working and I have four kids and trying to juggle my life with the kids is is a little bit difficult so yesterday I had to go into Dublin for a work event and uh, oh god it was a healthy event and we were served superfood quesadilla. I don't want to say much more than that, um, but it was very dry, and I came, I did couldn't really eat it. Like it was a bit cardboardy, now, I have to say. And I'm so I'm all for healthy, but I think that you don't need to go mental. Mm. I think you can have still a nice wrap or a, or soups or salads and things like that. You can put a bit of chicken on your salad. It doesn't have to just be pomegranates and quinoa. So I would be very le- be- very. I wouldn't be going for the fads, you know, like I won't be going vegan. Let's put it that way. And and, and how do you know if someone's vegan? <clears throat> They'll tell you. So I won't be going down that road. And I, I like a sensible approach. So I have to work this around being a busy mother. So the dinners that I'm making, I'm making for everybody. So if it's a shepherd's pie or if it's a stir fry or if it's a casserole, That's the dinner that the six of us are going to eat. So it needs to be manageable. And, you know, I can't be doing two dinners. I know a lot of women would do this. They'd cook their own dinner if they're in a slimming club or something. And then they do a different dinner for the family. I don't think that's a manageable and long term solution. I actually bought a slow cooker over Christmas and I'm going to be doing chilies and chilli con carne they're the kind of things you whack it all in in the morning you go off and you do what you need to do and then you come home. So it's a little bit sometimes I'm not as organised as I should be and that's where I fall down on the
6: food.
2: Well they are going to set out a plan for you as well which they're going to ask you to try and work with them and and incorporate that into your life as well. Back to the clan I know your husband is your greatest supporter he's with you all the way. Oh he's
5: doing it. (laughs) Oh he is doing it. He knows he needs to do
2: it. He's the fifth Uh, participant that won't be featured but he's going to be doing this. You heard this today. I said it
5: to him last night. I said, your gut (laughs) is going to benefit from this as much as mine is. And he got into bed and he said, oh, Jesus, I'm going to be doing this. So I said, yes, you bloody well are. Drop and give me 20. So um, <laughs> That's <I'll>, press-ups, yeah. <laughs> by the way,
2: she's talking about there yeah. at 2.15 in the afternoon if on we're talking show. about
5: 20, it's only press-ups. <laughs> That's all he'd be doing or maybe a few crunches. So he'd be doing it with me but actually my kids are brilliant and we would often go for a walk on the beach or whatever and they're really, really supportive and, you know, a couple of times I'd go for a jog on the beach and they'd come with me and they'd be like, ma'am, you're slowing down you're not gonna get rid of that belly if you go like that you know they'd be we'd have a bit of crack, yeah, so my family are all very active and I think that's gonna um yeah, like Dave plays over 35, <coughs> 45 football and the state of him when he comes home at nine o'clock, he's big red face for an hour. But he only does that twice a week. So he mm. needs to up his exercise as God, well. the
2: poor man. What have we walked? I mean, inadvertently <laughs> through this by bringing you in Butter a money card. Yeah, he's well Just rewarded. back to the so because worried. we started off talking about the teens and I suppose the yeah. little ones and they're well, they're all well aware of your public profile and personality oh, yeah, and that yeah. as well they know you're you're going to do this intensely for the yeah. six week, the teens and they're right behind you they won't be slamming doors or
5: well they'd be slamming the door to get me out of the house the teens but the other two like my two little ones are so adorable they're the kind of kids that on a Friday night when I'm going to be on that couch unable to move probably they'd be like mum will we do your hair for you or will we rub your feet for you like they're so sweet but then on on the days where I'm not going to the gym when we go for a walk or something like that they'll be with me of course um, and, and they'll be part of it they're very encouraging
2: way, Ella's been on to say, tell Siobhan to get sliding doors, they won't slam them. Oh, I think they can slide mm. the sli- uh, slam the slide as well, uh, to be honest with you, we Ella. Will,
5: if we get them, we just won't put any WD-40 <laughs> on them, so they can't slide. <laughs> as
2: as yeah. stiff as possible. Yeah. Anyway, you've heard it all now from Siobhan. Well, not at all. You've heard a good bit of, mm. she's painted the picture of who she is, what her challenges are, her family life, what she hopes, and we want to wish you all the very best for mm. the next six weeks. I'm going to be with you all the way yeah, for the six weeks. Yeah, you are.
5: From the sidelines, ag- laughing. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no.
2: <laughs> would I laugh? Yes, I mean, you bloody this is would. So serious. Anyway, we wish you well. We'll see you for the weigh-in on Monday. Yep. Okay, all going well. So we've met, and me, Donald Waters, and today, Siobhan O'Neill White. We have one more gentleman to meet tomorrow, and a lot of people out there I know will know him. He'll be with us after three o'clock on Friday on late lunch, and then we will have our famous four for 2019 to lose weight and feel <laughs> great. In association with Integral fitness and leisure. For the moment, Siobhan O'Neill-White from
1: MAMS.ie. Thank you. Talk to you
5: soon. Thanks, Jerry.
1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie. The new series of First Dates Ireland
2: broadcasts tonight on RTE2 at half past nine. It's been a roaring su- success for the uh, national broadcaster and everybody who are fans of the show looking forward to the new series. But before it airs at all, there's a big, big story developing and it revolves around a young man from Drada. His name is Keane Cooney and he joins me on the line. Good afternoon, Keene. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks so much for taking our call. Let me ask you this first of all. I look at these uh, reality TV shows and ones such as First Dates. Did you apply for this? Did you go looking to participate?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh whatever possessed me uh this time last year, I kind of applied for a few things. So uh I jumped on the Rose for Lee Escort this year as well and uh and then I was on First Dates, yeah. So
2: so they yeah. took you. They took you on board. So you applied for a number of things, and this one came up. Trumps. What's the process? Do they the right, How do you apply? Do you email? You write? What do you do first? And then is it an interview before they decide?
6: Yes, yeah, so you kind of you fill out your you fill out your application form. It all works out and then you go for uh, you go for your re interview, uh, which is the kind of video you see before the date, and then uh, luckily from that they uh, they found a the match. So.
2: OK, so you found a match, but not an ordinary match, Mr Cooney. This is the strangest first date I've ever heard of. Tell our listeners what they can look forward to this evening. It's a double trouble for you, is it?
6: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I kind of uh, I walked into the restaurant and I, uh, I got a bit of a fright, all right, Um So much so that I kind of... I forgot her name. (laughs) 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 Nobody's letting me down for that. But, uh, yeah, it it was quite cool. I walked in and uh, Mateo was lovely looking after me. This is Delia and this is her mum. I don't
2: believe it. A mother with her daughter on the first date. You are joking me.
6: Yeah, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know whether I could tackle both of them or what was going on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you not feel like saying hold on a minute, this wasn't in the contract, they never told you, did they,
6: did they? that she, the mum was going to be there? I literally hadn't no a clue who the person I was meeting was, so uh, let alone her mum, so uh, yeah, yeah.
2: So look, okay, you're a decent lad, obviously, and you're a gentleman, and you say hello, Delia O'Malley was your date, okay, fair enough, but mum comes along too, the mother, Amy, is sitting there, a, what did she say to you, how did she explain this, the, the daughter?
6: just couldn't like we 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 stood there for a minute and i was just so confused um and then the barman came out to break the silence and we just we we ordered a few uh jager bombs so uh <laughs> that kind of broke the silence broke us in but it was just it was it was hectic once we get down to the table he was explaining that uh yeah we're was looking for love as well so uh that's what we did yeah we we really enjoyed it um um, her mom was so sweet as well she's absolutely sweetheart
0: it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax
3: and think about
0: work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Uh, the mother was actually looking for a date herself.
6: Yeah, she yeah.
2: And she says, look at this hunky toy boy from Drada who's after walking through the door. Oh my, oh my, this is certainly sauce for the goose tonight, isn't it? To see what happens.
6: That's exactly it.
2: Okay, so listen, the... the the date, the date went ahead. Yes, you you sat down and went through the usual. Had a bite, tea, chatting away. Did the mother sit quietly on the sideline or did you feel you were, you know, dating both of them? Or
6: ah uh, no, she was. She, uh, she actually she got her own date, so she did. Uh, right. Donnie. Donny. Okay. So uh, Donny was sit, sat there. Uh, thanks to him, I, I found out Didi's name. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I owe him a, a point.
2: <laughs> you certainly do. So anyway, in the heel of the hunt, the mum was paired with somebody else, and you were free to engage solely with Delia.
6: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was great. And uh, they're absolute. They're a they gas crack all you know, because uh, the two of them, uh, the two of them can sign language, so uh, they had a bit of. Uh, communication going on. Good <laughs> and I stuff. What was and
2: you didn't know, of course. Well, sure, look at their close, the mum and daughter. Where's Tealie from?
6: Tealie's uh, actually from out in Bray, so she is. Um, oh, right. States, so she is, she's from the States originally, but uh, she lives out in Bray, so yeah, yeah.
2: OK, so she's on the dart line. You could get to her quick enough from Drada, that's for sure. But we can't say, and I'm not going to, I, I don't want to say what happened at the end of the day, because that's uh, to be found out by watching uh, First Dates tonight uh, when it airs again at 9.30 on RTE2. In general terms, just to give us a feel for it, a good experience, positive, you enjoyed it, you took something away from it, Yes
6: oh absolutely I've I've grown so much in the past few months um, and uh, especially especially because of this when that happened as well during those so uh, it's been absolutely great yeah I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody uh, just put yourself out there you know
2: and have a go at it one last thing was there even a slight little twinkle in the eye for the mother
6: <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble now <laughs> come on you can
2: tell me there's not too many listings there's just me and yourself <laughs> sure why not <laughs> <laughs> Yo, again. oh you're my type of guy It's right you're their type of guy that's for sure both of them by the looks of things anyway you're a great sport and we're all looking forward to seeing actually what happens on this wonderful day tonight you know it, it, it's it's just taken off this story all over the place today and I'm delighted you took a call and were able to have a chat with us you're a real sport Keen. thanks a million
6: No problem. Thanks for
2: having me. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Keen Cooney there in Drogheda on First Dates tonight with Delia O'Malley and her mother. Watch this space. Don't miss it. I'm looking forward to it myself. Last year, when she joined me on Late Lunch, I thought I'd never see her again. And I heard a whisper that she might be in the locality for Christmas and the New Year. And when I heard that, I honed in immediately and says, Maeve Kavanagh, you just simply have to join me again. And she's in the hot seat on Late Lunch today, and I Maeve.
4: You're oh, you
2: Thank you. You're good to your word. Can I tell you, I listened back this morning to our conversation from last year. And I have to say, <laughs> I'm being a bit self-indulgent here, but I, even more... <laughs> (laughs) I enjoyed it second time round, uh, just listening to you telling me about yourself and your life and your hopes for emigrating uh, to Australia. Now, first off, I have to start here from sort of the end of that interview. Before you went away, I just see you went for a party in Spain, you went for a party in Holland, you had a massive shindig here before you left Ireland. Well, you sleep all the way to Australia on the plane. Oh. Or to the, You went to the Middle East first, was it? Yeah,
7: I went all around Asia for yeah. five weeks. You must have just
2: slept on, on that first long flight, did you?
7: I didn't get a wink. <laughs> didn't get a wink. I think I was too excited. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so the adrenaline was still flowing. Yeah, still going. So look, the plan was, as you said, to go to the Far East first and do a month round there and then head down to Australia. And you told me, I remember the last time I remember you saying it to me, I said, well, you're, you have everything arranged out there? <laughs> no. <laughs> You had no job. No. No place to stay. Not at all. You knew nobody. No. Okay, so that's the scenario she's heading for Australia. Let's talk about, though, that month round Asia before you touched down in Perth. Where did you go?
7: Uh, so all I had booked was my flight to Thailand. That right. was it. Nothing, no hotels, no internal flight and arrived in Chiang Mai, which is in northern Thailand. Visited a friend over there. Food's fantastic. Did a bit of Muay Thai training. It was really, really good. Went on to Vietnam, Uh, Cambodia and Bali. So I did five and a half weeks. All in all, it was
2: unbelievable. Great part of the world. Somewhere you'd recommend for people to go and see?
7: Uh, Thailand I loved. I've been there before and I'd go back again. Cambodia, incredible. Like, incredible. Saw the killing fields, saw museums and stuff like that. Really, really interesting to see. Um, Don't think I'd long enough there. I'd definitely go back. Vietnam, Vietnam. Mm, wasn't my fave it was just it was very very busy and I think kind of a girl on her own wasn't the safest maybe country but Bali spent nearly three weeks there travelling around the different parts and that was just beautiful
2: it's supposed to be heaven on earth heaven and that's the way you describe it Absolutely. as well. You mentioned that safety thing when you when you are a young woman uh, traveling on your own as well. In those other countries, you felt safe, secure, no issues at all. No
7: issues. I'd walk home at night. Everything in Thailand, people are just amazing. Um, Cambodia's the same. Bali's the same. I don't know what it was about Vietnam. Mm. You just you know when you're not vibing. And yes. Just and your
2: gut tells you, Maeve, It's as simple as that. Yeah. Now, No, we know you are a bodybuilder and you're into your personal training and that. Yeah. Were you able to? You know, when you're you're moving about those countries, were you able able to find a place and people yeah. that you worked with. Yes. Yeah,
7: Google Maps was my best friend. <laughs> uh in Thailand I did a few Muay Thai classes. That was intense, um, unbelievable training. Vietnam there was yeah, a gym beside me, Cambodia, unbelievable real old school gym like goals was like years ago and uh Bali sure there's classes everywhere and really really good fitness stuff yeah.
2: What about the language uh, and and communicating with people? How did that work?
7: Uh again Vietnam probably the hardest Most to difficult. get by yeah. Mm. Definitely and the food mm, wasn't for me but everywhere else I think was
2: fine. They have a they're grasp so used of English. To, so they're yeah. Used to tourists yeah. and people traveling as yeah. well. Okay, so you get that wonderful uh, far east experience out of the way and then you Mm -hmm. head on to your new life in Perth in Australia. So when you touch down, come on, you had some arrangements made then at that stage. I did, yeah,
7: I had some arrangements then. Um, So I was staying with my other half when I got there first and just got settled. And I think I landed on the Wednesday night and in the Tuesday morning I was in work. So... I just had the weekend off and straight into Perth life. You yeah. had a job. Yeah.
2: And that is an office job, is it, that you have there?
7: Yeah, I'm just in the office at the minute. That's my kind of Monday to Friday yes. thing. And then I have my online coaching on the side as well. So.
2: Okay. And is it ultimately your aim to evolve into, you know, you being your own do
7: fitness whole time. Yeah, person, for sure. your own
2: business and the, all that type of thing is what you want to do. Yeah. Hey, that other half you mentioned there, <laughs> was he on the scene <laughs> before you left Ireland?
7: Uh, yes. We, yeah. Yeah, he was. We got back together when I got to Perth. So everyone said it to me, and I was adamant. No, it wasn't happening. But of
2: course, it was. So, what's um, his name? Gary. Gary. Oh <laughs> yeah. Gary. He might be listening to this podcast at some stage. Oh, Ah, oh, she's pining for you. I know Christmas and the New Year was lovely here, but I'd just look into her eyes, and she can't wait to get back to Perth. So you two went out here in Ireland. He went out. Did he? Em- did he go first? Has He's he been, been here nine long?
7: years. Hello. Yeah, 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 nine years. Yeah.
2: Oh my God, this is even a more remarkable story than I thought. Oh, like a movie, yeah. So you went out with him before he went there?
7: No, not before. Not before. We met online, funny story. Then met in Croatia when we went to a big music festival. Then booked holidays to Dubai. Then I visited him in Perth and then I moved to Perth. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, listen, this is incredible. (laughs) Pretty woman, move aside. She's in studio with me today, for sure. Holy God almighty. yeah. So there you are, you have your, your man in Australia. You're working. What about the move? Now I suppose it's a little easier when you, you're in a relationship there and you have somebody close to you. What about your circle of friends? Have you have you made friends quickly through him or or what? Yeah.
7: Well I didn't want to rely too much on him and kinda you know, like rob his friends, so I definitely wanted to do my own gang. And I'll tell you what was the best thing ever, Instagram. Because So many girls who had already moved there had gotten in touch if I need anything, if I want to go for coffee when I get there. Like, they've been so, so good to me. So, I have a great gang now. And they're all Irish. I know no Aussies. Like, all the Irish girls who've emigrated and they kind of found themselves, like, a lot of their friends had moved home. So they're delighted kind of with, you know, new people coming over. Yeah, Somebody really new nice. on
2: the block. Yeah. So the benefits, and I know you are, I, I said to you last day you were here, you have built up a substantial and even a greater following on Instagram because you are a regular uh, person there. You know, you can only go in every day and expect to see something from Maeve Cavanaugh in there for sure. So that has facilitated and enabled you yeah. to settle in.
7: Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Like there's so many positives to Instagram. Like it's not just pictures like Mm. this I've made really good friends
2: from you post a lot when you're working out in the gym
7: I do and when I'm eating which is most of the day yeah (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's two nice aspects to your life isn't it come back to that eating thing again because when you work as hard as you do and lift as much weights and put in as much time it does I want to come back to that It, it takes a lot does it to fuel that engine to keep you in top condition
7: it does I'm forever hungry always the lads in work just can't believe it every have you not eaten an hour ago i have
2: <laughs> so what do you start off just just for someone who does what you do and the amount of uh, bodybuilding and exercise you do what would a typical day be what would you eat for your breakfast
7: um well now i'm five weeks out from comp now so uh, yeah i mean a little bit less than i usually do but like stuff like turkey bacon eggs toast like i don't give up a lot of food everyone can't get over i have ice cream i have pancakes i eat out um, so I'm all about flexible dieting and not being too restrictive. So
2: you don't really restrict yourself. But you start off with a good meal in the mornings, always, yes? My
7: favourite meal has always been, will always be breakfast. I would eat that breakfast, lunch, dinner,
2: any time of the day. And then through the day, you talk about, do you snack regularly? Yeah, I'd eat
7: every three hours.
2: And what would a snack be? What do you like to snack? A snack?
7: snack? On? Mm, well, I suppose some people would call it a meal. Like I'd have like... Kind of Greek yogurt, granola, nut butter, fruit, then like protein bars and then in, salmon one, and in chicken. one snack
2: session you'd have that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering are you trying to work an illusion in front of me with that body there? And and, and those and, and then what about is there a lunchtime and a dinner time in your day as well?
7: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'd have salmon and veg and then I go home and have like chicken and
2: loaves. So you eat food. a lot?
7: I do eat a lot, yeah.
2: Lot of, you mentioned a lot there, fish, chicken, meat, proteins, a lot of proteins in your diet.
7: Yeah, lots of protein,
2: lots you're not of carbs.
7: Against ca- oh, look, give me the carbs. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. Pastas, no. breads, things like that. Love bread. Every day. Mm. Every day.
2: But you see, I see you. You are working to burn this off. I think that yeah. is probably the key with you. If you have somebody who's not doing a Maeve Gavanagh. No,
7: no. It definitely doesn't work if you're not uh, training, but yeah like once you're training and keeping active and
2: yes so you need to fuel the engine and at the same time you're burning it off on the other side now you let a little whisper there when we were talking a minute ago five weeks out from what tell us what's happening in five weeks so in
7: five weeks I'm doing my first um, Australian competition so I did one last year in April here and it's happening in Perth in five weeks so very excited and then in nine weeks I'm doing the Arnold Amateurs in Melbourne so that's going to be a huge show yeah
2: and this is your bodybuilding you displaying what you've done with this temple of yours and how what I hope
7: I've yeah managed to better the last few months
2: I'll tell you yeah. one thing, looking at your Instagram this morning, you've yeah. certainly, <laughs> you certainly done, done your bit. Will you stay there a few more minutes with me please? Isn't she fantastic? I just love chatting to her. Maeve Kavanagh is home from Perth for a wee while anyway. When you're running into this competition you mentioned you have two coming up when you go back to Perth. You, you, the step down in your food, you were telling us mm. how much you actually go through. How much then of a variation? Are you dropping off a lot of the eating nearer to the competition?
7: Um. So this time I'm doing a a little bit differently, uh, whereas I was flying the last time, so time wise, I just didn't have enough time to go back and do a lot of mm. cardio in the gym, so I cut the food quite dramatically. Um, whereas this time, I'm doing a lot more cardio a lot sooner, and the food hasn't been suffering too much just yet, but when I get back to Perth, it'll. There'll definitely be a few hundred calories gone. <laughs>
2: yeah. How have you fared here at home? Obviously, you just picked up with your training uh, w- when you touched down here for the Christmas and New Year, yes.
7: Yeah, like I train in Integral and then Boyneside is open on Christmas, so that's fantastic. I was in Christmas Day and uh, Stevens Day and everything. Uh, yeah, so.
2: Do you work out most days?
7: Every day. Yeah, every day. You don't take a day off? Uh Yeah, well, one, one or two, but I still have to go in and do cardio on those days. So.
2: And now when you're really intensely working for this, it'll be seven days a week.
7: Yeah, twice a day, five days.
2: So do you go in before work in the morning, go to work and then yeah, pick and it then up in the evening yeah. time? Yeah. some commitment, isn't it's it? It's
7: intense. It is, it's tough and it's definitely not for everyone. Like it's, it's I suppose you can make it quite restrictive. I'm lucky that I have a great coach and that we do the flexible dieting. So when I've been at home, I can have the meals out and I can, you know, fit, treats and mm. kind of if I wanted a glass of wine with family I can have that um, which is great but I know obviously you can you can do the bro diet and have your chicken and broccoli five times a day but that's just
2: no so you'd get bored of that wouldn't no, you
7: you'd go insane I had
2: a feel sorry for my Labrador times getting yeah. those nuts every day of the week that's why I have to give him a little treat now and again to make the, the poor fellow understand that life life is worth living um, <laughs> come back to you know the competition end of this and I did say this to you before when you were with me and um, you know, there's, there's extremes in this bodybuilding thing. Mm-hmm. You're not into that extreme element of it.
7: No. So what I do is bikini fitness. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the entry level. And it's more of a kind of toned, defined physique. It's not about size and muscle mass, so to speak. Like, it's not like bodybuilding, where they are just, you know, getting very big and very lean. Um the yeah. tan
2: is the other thing we touched on. Oh, they, yeah. y- you do get deeper, more bronzed as you get nearer the event as well, because that is a key part of it. You must have that just right.
7: Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. Um, <laughs> it takes you about a week to get it off. How do
2: you get this tan? Is it sprayed on? Do you go into beds? What way is your tan? Is spray-on tan, Um
7: so last time I got sprayed at the event um, okay. but you can you can do it yourself as well so I'm going to give it a bash doing it myself this time
2: <laughs> DIY yeah DIY <laughs>
7: yeah
2: and is it, is it difficult to get rid of it you know afterwards if you want to tone down oh, the- it,
7: honestly it took me a week and I had to soak in different bath bombs and oils and scrub and yeah
2: to it's get tough. back to yeah. normal. But you just loving. have
7: to be super dark.
2: Yeah, so. yeah. You you're an ice cream fan, you mentioned all you <gasps> love, aren't you? you? Yeah. You really love I your ice love cream. Yeah.
7: <laughs> I, just, I just love
2: it. Shout out
7: to Ismail. I didn't get them down to
2: them this time, but oh, yeah. They they know you well. They, they know, know as I think I said to you before, yeah. they'll probably name an ice cream after you. When are you going back? Sunday. Okay, so that's nearly upon us. But you have a big day, is it tomorrow? <laughs>
7: Yeah, I have my best friend's wedding tomorrow, which I'm doing bridesmaids for. Oh, there you go. So I'm in Dublin the next two days for that and then have to throw me back together Saturday evening and then head off Sunday.
2: By God, you're last minute Lucy at times, aren't oh, yeah. you really? yeah. that's me. With the way you go, yeah, by the seat me. of your pants. But, you're but you get it there, works. don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's the, That's the thing about yeah. you, I really do. <laughs> I couldn't do it myself, but I understand and it, it does work for you. W- what do you see again, coming back to Perth, a couple of things I'm going to talk to you about in a moment. But before that, it's summer time out there at the moment. Mm-hmm what are you talking about weather wise
7: it's high 30s can, it hit above 40 before I left centigrade centigrade yeah
2: oh, that is hot
7: oh very hot Like it's nice when it's kind of in the mid 30s that's you know nice to walk around but when it gets into high 30s and 40 you just, it's
2: severe altogether you're
7: dashing to the air con mm. yeah.
2: so you, you now since you went out you'll have experienced the run into summer and uh, you know springtime into yeah. summer autumn coming now and then into the winter what's winter like
7: See, I have men out there and I think Gary told me a lie to get me there and told me it was hot all the time. It's not because we went shopping last week and he made me buy a jacket in Zara and I was horrified that I'd have to wear such thing in Perth. Apparently it gets as cold as here in winter.
2: Right, yeah, okay. Sick. And, but this year, actually, you see at the minute here, hey Maeve, it's like springtime here at the minute. It's so mild in the country. I car. haven't Are you felt my fingers
7: in three weeks, Jerry. <laughs> you
2: see, you've acclimatised too quickly to yeah. the Aussie weather with those temperatures as well. I suppose when you're, you're out there for a while and uh, you come back, you do notice the difference. But look at me. I'm in a You're in a T-shirt. I've been in a T-shirt for the last few weeks here. It's been so mild. We haven't seen a cut of the coldness yet. That'll probably mean there'll be six foot of snow in about a week yep. now, just as I say it, uh, like that. You're obviously looking forward to going back. What would your, um, you know, when you sit here today, say a year, two, three years hence, what would you like to be doing? How would you like to be set up out there?
7: Um, probably have our own place uh hopefully have a dog uh and then hopefully i'll be doing fitness full-time as well okay that's what you really want to go into yeah and a bit more traveling done Mm. yeah (laughs) obviously
2: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where else you can go in the south america it looks like the the other option for you but here's the thing um you you are a mentor to quite a number of people online yourself aren't you and you have your own coach
7: yes i do so Coaches need coaches as well. You know, I don't yes. think people it's very it'd be very hard to prep yourself. I don't think you'd be like harsh enough on yourself and mm. or maybe you'd be too harsh, so um letting someone else call the shots is, mm. is great. And then you're accountable to to someone yes. as well.
4: Yeah.
2: Is the re engineering of this body finished? No. Nope. <laughs> Come on. You're not touching the lips again, are you?
7: Um no. I haven't gone near them since don't the last it. time
2: I was in Maeve don't go near them just, just now come I on won't. settle down leave leave them as they are the boobs are finished we uh, will you give it a few years yeah watch this space and you didn't re- well I think maybe you did that. I'm trying to remember the last time we touched on Botox but
7: nothing. I haven't I haven't no have done, you're, you're
2: not going to do that are you
7: I'd say when I'm 30 yeah give, give me two years give me two years <laughs>
2: Don't don't go there at all. This bodybuilding for women, it, it, it's a big, it's a big uh, thing, isn't it? A yeah, big thing all over so the world. What about Australia? The same? Massive yes, massive
7: in Australia. Like massive. Um, just looking at the pictures and stuff from the competitions during the year that were there. It's just it's another level. The scale, mm. the size of them compared to here.
2: Mm. And you talk about age. Give you another couple of years. What age do women start this at? And what age does it go up to?
7: Um. So, I think it's over 35s you go into the Masters category. Mm. Um, yeah, people start kind of mid-20s. Now, there, there are junior categories, but there'd be less people doing Okay, Okay, yeah.
2: okay. But the over 35 covers everything then beyond that to any age, doesn't yeah. it really? Is. I, know, I know people keep at this for years oh, and years, don't they, into yeah. their lives as well. It's incredible what they do. You came home for the, just touching <laughs> this, for the Christmas and New Year obviously it it plays a big part in an Irish person's life to be here for for that celebration yes
7: yeah I love Christmas Mm. I I just love it Um, I was only coming home for the wedding went to book the flights and I was like do you know what I'm not going to be home for Christmas for years I'm going to do it didn't tell anybody rocked up Christmas Eve gave my mum the fright of her life she was delighted so I got it all on video and, yeah.
2: I saw it, we Did saw you? it because it was posted and Caroline Caroline, your mum is so well known Caroline yeah. Kavanagh of Dulegan District News, journalist, you name it fantastic woman, uh, the surprise. Oh, it, that was genuine. Her she was didn't, have, didn't a have a clue. clue. No. coming to the door. No, I organised it with
7: my friend. She recorded it. Her mum knocked on the door, pretended to be delivery. Oh, it was funny. It's yeah. great. It's yeah, lovely
2: it's to do something like yeah. that out of the blue. But you said there, you don't expect now, when you go back, um, you'll be there now for the duration in Perth.
7: Yeah, I'll be there. So it's up to everyone now to come and visit me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, what
2: an offer. I Caroline, know, yeah, yeah. Caroline and your sister, maybe, make the, they might think of, of doing the Christmas. Christmas yeah, out there next time round, yeah. and the, and the and the better half or so the other half, should I say, They're his people next
7: year? Yeah. Oh, there yeah. you are.
2: Sure, lucky you'll have the right. links at home, won't exactly. you? One way or or the other. Get
7: the mummies to do Christmas dinner. <laughs> <You'll> be happy.
2: <laughs> I often, I was often thinking, what would actually, you know, the way here, the short days, the mm-hmm. darkness, generally is a bit colder as well, and you have your Christmas dinner and everyone gathers. What would it be like in forty degrees?
7: Uh, all of my friends went to the beach and had like barbecues and stuff like that during the day and drinks in the beach. And then some people kind of cook at home and have barbecues and then you can go to different hotels that have like proper Christmas dinners.
2: So the turkey and ham happens.
7: You can, yeah. If but most barbecue. Yeah. yeah.
2: It should make sense yeah. with the heat and yeah. that as well and enjoying the outdoors. Ah, oh, you know something? <laughs> Meow Hart loves the Irish one. This is quite a bit to be said. I know. For what you're talking I'm about there. For an Iceland, and you're going like. to experience that as well next year. Anyway, bon voyage. Thank you for dropping in. Wish you well with the competition and Thank the you. career and the fella out there and everything else besides. Until we meet again,
1: Maeve Cavanagh.
7: Thank you. Thank you.
1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie I love... My garden birds,
2: I love to see them sit indoors, uh, watching them out there when I'm working in the garden. They're around me as well, especially the cute wee robin. And once again this year, uh, Birdwatch Ireland are promoting this national garden bird survey. Joining me on the line is a good friend of the show, Niall Hatch from Birdwatch. Afternoon, Niall. Good
8: afternoon. Thanks for
2: having me. Not at all. Before we go on to the survey, a couple of breaking news stories. I read today that there has been a slight increase in the number of calling corn crakes in the summer of 2018 just past. Is that the sign of an upturn long term?
6: uh
8: it- I wish I, I wish I could say certainly that it was but it's early, it's early days yet and it's hard to say for certain um, certainly it, it takes a few years of consistent good results before you can be sure that the species really is, is on the up and you know not to be too pessimistic but uh, unfortunately they're never going to go back to the levels where it once was the habitat just doesn't exist for them in Ireland but having said that it is obviously very encouraging to see the species um, still hanging on and this you know, slight increase it's certainly better than a decrease isn't it so that, that's certainly mm. that's very encouraging and very good to see um, so uh, yeah a bird that of course a few generations ago would have been a very common, well not quite a sight but common sound all over Ireland because it's a hard bird to see but you would hear them calling during summer nights uh, but um, has really declined drastically across Ireland with changes in agriculture Uh, and right now all of our corn crakes, they they spend the winter in in southern Africa, usually actually around Angola that's where they head to, so that's where they'll be right now. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see when they return again um, summer summer this year, uh, what the the numbers of calling males are like. The way you survey them is to listen for the males calling or singing on summer nights and that's how you can assess where the populations are and where the territories are so that's mm. how that works.
2: Interesting and let's hope it is the beginning of a climb back of sorts for a, a, a creature that really is threatened by the changes in, in, in agricultural practices on a local note here I'm sure you've seen it uh, Niall the uh, beautiful uh, video of the murmurations of starlings that have yes. been seen these days over Naba direction now I know in previous years we had them on the Post here, out Late Town, Betty's Town, that area there. It's something else, Nile.
8: It really is. And um, it's been really catching people's imagination. We have a, a thread dedicated to these darling murmurations on the Bordeaux Journal Facebook page. So there's a lovely video um, of this this murmuration in Nobber there, if you want to go there and have a look uh, on our Facebook page and, and hope go see it in person to see it as well, because it's it's some site. Uh, and other people then have been posting their comments and their own videos of the murmurations um, from around Ireland. But certainly Nobber seems to be the best in the country as far as we can tell this year. They're kind of slightly ephemeral things but you never know from year to year where they're going to appear or where they're going to concentrate and as you said they were sort of a more coastly direction and previously mm. it looks like this flock has moved more inland uh so it you know it's something that, that it happens only at this time of year only usually in december and january are the peak months for it uh, and it's always just before dusk so you'd want to be there a few minutes before sunset to, to really see the spectacle all these starlings gathering together they swirl around in the sky make all these different shapes it's almost like they behave like like a cloud or i've heard it described as looking like um a, a a sped up lava lamp and that's a very good description of how the sort of three dimensional sculptures they make in the sky so definitely well worth having a look and if you have a look on the British Facebook page you'll see it there You know just how impressive it looks it's, it's great so it's great, great to see great to see the area making the headlines
2: and it, it really is and it is something special so it'll hopefully uh, continue up to the end of January and they seem to be in the Nauber area at the moment how do they not crash and how does uh, hundreds of them not fall to the ground?
8: Well, th- that's a very good question, and we don't have an answer for that. A lot of researchers have been looking into this, but we're not, we're not fully sure. When these flocks get together, we're talking about tens or even hundreds of thousands of birds all gathered together, and um, it doesn't seem like any bird is in control of this. They just become almost like a single organism. They, they just respond as one. It seems that they're very adept at spotting even tiny movements that their neighbours in the flock make, so the birds are immediately around them. Whenever they move, it seems that the, that starling is able to react instantly without even thinking and, and to the movement because they never collide. you think they would all be crashing into each other and, and falling down but it never happens. Uh, so um, they do seem to be very controlled and very good at, uh, you know, it's almost, it almost looks telepathic. They're not reading each other's minds but they certainly are picking up very quick clues from each other cues from each other and from their behaviour. So, um, yeah, it, it's one of those great mysteries. We don't have all the answers for what happens in nature and I think that's, that's part of the beauty of
2: it. Isn't it indeed and long may it continue. Now let's turn our attention now to the Garden Bird Survey 2018-2019 which is in full flight. Forgive the point. at at the moment and I was just looking at the results of last year's survey and I'm delighted to see that there's 10 of the top 15 birds visit my garden on a regular basis but there he is number one top of the pile in every garden in Ireland the little robin
8: Oh, absolutely. Everyone's favourite um, and we do get a great response from people. We have thousands of people taking part in, in this survey and we're expecting it to be even bigger this year because uh, we've got uh, the Malou Group have come on board as sponsors of the project, so it's great to have their support and it's helping us to reach, uh, reach even new audiences with it. So, uh, you know, the, the data we gather from this is, is really important. We've been doing this survey now for 30 years and it's Burlow own 50th anniversary, so it's a year of, of, of big anniversary celebrations for us. And uh, it, it's great to see the response it gets from people and Robin, as you said, is always number one. It's, it seems to be uh, uh, present in almost everyone's garden and and, and that's not surprising it's a a bird that seems to tolerate humans very well and has learned to to come um, close to us and and, and to get food that's in our gardens so certainly it's the the most widespread in the garden bird survey Um, not necessarily the most numerous though because obviously when you have a robin in your garden you usually only have one of them whereas if you get birds like goldfinches for example uh, you either have none of them or you have maybe a dozen or twenty of them Mm. in a big flock so so, um, it's interesting to see the different statistics and how it works but the, 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 the top three in the survey are always in, 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 it's usually Robin number one, and then it be, it's between Blackbird and Bird and Blue Tit for, for second and third place each year. They sort of swap, swap every so often. Uh, but so, so it's great to see. But also, we're seeing, you know, there's over 50 different species of bird regularly visiting people's gardens in Ireland now. So there's great diversity out there as well. It's very interesting.
2: It really is. Uh, the other one I want to mention, and I, I saw them again today, there's at least one pair, maybe two, and they were feeding on the last of, of, of the berries on a mountain ash that have hung on in my trees for. reason Uh. is the garden thrush and they're beautiful the,
8: the, 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 the song thrush, should I say? Song thrush, yeah. Which is the most typical one in a garden, that's right. And the, they, they rely very much on berries like that, particularly when, they, when there's cold weather. Um, the, the weather has been relatively mild uh, so far this winter, uh, which might, might explain why some of your berries were left until now, because the birds were able to find other food. The song thrush's favourite food of all is snails. And if it can find ready access to snails, uh, it'll happily eat those and they'll be its preferred food. They really only switch to the berries when they can't find any other alternative. Uh, so that's a sign that it's probably been a fairly good winter for them so far. Having said that, we know each year that the, the, the coldest days in Ireland are always in either February or March, so we are headed for, for, for very cold weather. Every year people act like they're very surprised by this, that, oh, it's very cold in February, it was very cold in March, I wasn't expecting that. We, I suppose we start thinking about Christmas time being cold and white Christmases and all that. In Ireland we rarely ever get white Christmases, we often have white Februaries, and, and that's something to bear in mind as well. So if there is a sudden cold snap over the next the coming weeks, it's important that people put out food and water for the birds in their garden. It can make a big difference, and there's lots of tips on, and fact sheets on the Bird Churn website, Bird on how to do that.
2: Now this survey, and I've printed off one, I have it sitting here beside me. It's quite simple uh, to complete. And I know a number of weeks have gone by so far, but it's no harm. You can join in now and complete this to the end of February. Yes.
8: That's right, it runs from it runs from the end of February, so it starts at the start of, of December, but there's still plenty of time for people to take part. Uh, so to start it now, but the, the sooner the better, because then we get more data. And What we ask people to do is we ask them to count the highest number of each species of bird that's coming to their garden each week. And that might sound a little complicated, but once you get the hang of it, it it's actually very, very simple and straightforward. So imagine um, imagine you have blackbirds coming into your garden, a very common garden bird. Uh, let's say you look out your window on Monday morning, and there's two of them hopping around on your lawn. Uh, you look on Tuesday afternoon, maybe there's three 3 hopping around on your lawn then on Wednesday morning you're back to 2 again and you don't see any more for the rest of the week well the highest that you saw at any one time that week was the 3 that you had on the Tuesday afternoon and so you write a 3 in that box and then you do the same the next week and you keep going until the end of the survey and you do that for all the different species in your garden. Uh, so uh, it might sound like a, a lot of work but actually it's incredibly enjoyable because if you do the survey you find that you pretty soon pretty soon, you want to, to beat your score from last week and you spend a lot of time looking out in the garden you become much more tuned into the bird's behaviour as well and you'll start to see your garden and your garden birds through new eyes because when you have an actual task to complete it focuses the mind in a way that just casual observation doesn't. Uh, so so it's, it's great fun to take part and it's especially good for children. It's a great way to encourage them to get an appreciation of the natural world and then of course the data that we receive through this survey uh, that really plays a big role in helping us to decide our conservation priorities seeing how the, the, the different species are reacting to, to things like climate change um, how they're reacting to food shortages all of these kind of things so we, we learn a lot of information from it and you just can't beat you know, having that sort of resource of literally thousands of people doing all this, gathering all this data for us it's spectacular it's, it's, it's and exceptional.
2: And the link is on Birdwatch Ireland's website.
8: That's right, BirdoCharland.ie. And there's two ways you can, you can do it. Uh, you, can, um, you, you can print off the form, as you have there, and fill it out on paper. Or there's an online survey portal. You just register for that uh, with a password, and uh, then you can fill in your details online. And also for, for Birdwatcharland members, uh, a copy of the form was sent out within the, the, the issue of the Winter Show magazine, Wings, which went out in, in November. Uh, and if anyone joins Birdwatcharland uh, as a member, we're always looking for support. You get a copy of the, the Garden Bird form sent out to you as well with your membership packet and information on how to do it and joining Bird Return of course it's a great way to support those birds uh, yet again anything we can do to to help them is is very much welcomed and joining Bird Return is a great way to do that
2: and it's simple and as I say go and do it it's only 50 euro and you'll get the magazine and you'll get updates and you'll be alerted to everything that's going on and you are supporting something that's truly wonderful coming back to the robin for a moment I was uh, planting garlic uh, around the shortest day of the year in my backyard just a a wee bit uh, to have it hopefully on the longest day uh, and there were actually, I, I never saw it before, you know yourself, they're very territorial, but there were three robins uh, around me. And honestly, Niall, one of them would nearly come to your hand to take the food off it.
8: Well, that's, the, that's sort of the secret to the robin's success. They learned that we humans actually aren't too bad. We're not that dangerous. And so they can um, exploit food that's close to humans, and other birds aren't brave enough or tame enough to come that close to us. So this strategy has worked very well for them. It gives them an advantage. And uh, I've been getting reports from quite a few people saying that they have two or three robins in their garden at this time of year, and that is unusual. That, that, that's that's not, not very normal at all. We're getting lots of reports of, of many birds singing at this time of year too. It's normal enough for robins to sing in January. They're, they're the only bird we have that sings throughout all 12 months of the year. We're also getting, though, reports of song thrushes and blackbirds and wrens and dunnocks even singing at this time of year as well, and that is very odd. Uh, so it seems that the birds are being triggered to go into breeding mode a bit early, and that might be why you have more than one robin in the garden. It could even be, you know, uh, uh, you know a female and two males who are mm. trying, to, to, trying to impress her, something like that. It seems like the breeding hormones are being triggered in a bit too early this year, and of course if the birds then start to nest early and then there's a sudden cold spell, we get, you know, temperatures below zero, those eggs or those chicks won't survive. So, um, so when we're starting to see the effects of climate change on birds, which it's which is, is thought this may well be, um, then it's, it's worrying. Uh, so, um, you know, so, so we can tell a lot from the common birds in our gardens. Very often, people think that an organisation like Birdwatch Ireland, who you know, who, who works on conservation and, and on bird surveys that would think we might be only interested in the very rare birds, you know, the, the the really scarce species that need a lot of help. In fact, we're just as interested in the very common birds because we can tell a lot more about changes to the environment by assessing changes in their population, which are actually much easier to gauge than when you're dealing with very rare birds. So, through the Garden Bird Survey. We can see changes in robin populations, blue tit populations, goldfinch populations, and we can we can recognise that in a way that we never could for rare species because it's just so much harder to get observations for them. You wouldn't get so many observations in from the general public, so it's it, it's it's very useful. To give you an example there of the goldfinch, we're seeing. That it's the 30th anniversary of the survey. When we started the Garden Bird Survey 30 years ago, goldfinches were present only in 4% of Irish gardens. Last winter, they were in over 80% of Irish gardens. Uh, so, well, at least people taking part in the survey, and that uh, that's a real change over the course of th- just three decades. We're so yes. seeing a real shift in their populations, for example, for, for the better. Uh, but other birds are not faring quite so well. So the song thrush that you mentioned is a bird that's been slowly but surely declining, uh, and it seems affect like pesticides and pollutions and destruction of hedgerows. That that's had an effect on that species so we're telling we can tell a lot from this from the data and and the robins of course as you said they're they're always top of the table and the ones we hear most about they're in in over 99% of Irish
2: gardens That's great news on the goldfish front and they are the most beautiful board you will see in your back garden Niall I wish you well with the survey again I encourage everybody as many as possible return the numbers because it's so important to get that data together and again I say do join Birdwatch Ireland 50 euros the best 50 euro you'll spend this year I promise you and you'll be in the loop. If you love your feathered friends and wildlife, you'll do that as a, a promise for 2019. Nile, thank you as always for joining us on the show
8: my
2: pleasure thank you so much for having me talk to you again soon take care that's uh, Niall Hatch there from Birdwatch Ireland brilliant guy love talking to him on the show about bird life he's just a brilliant brilliant guy and by the way those robins I'm not joking you they uh, did almost come to your hand to take food but you know what they were at I turned over the ground a wee bit to put the garlic in and there were lots of worms on the surface and they just had a beano I think it was like caviar in the middle of winter uh, those wee worms for the robins in the garden Don't I love it? There's nothing to beat nature. Anyway, we're off uh, for the uh, evening now on Late Lunch. Eddie's up next with the drive and we'll be back with the final Late Lunch of the week tomorrow, Friday at half past one. Until then, take care.
1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Order your Renault 191 today and avail of low APR finance, cashback and three-year servicing. Visit Blackstone Motors today or see blackstonemotors.ie.